your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome everybody. All right, we're talking about the cost of loneliness. You know, if you look at it, loneliness is often defined as the distressing feeling generated by a, a lack of meaningful, intimate, and reciprocal interactions. And so you might say it's it's an emotional isolation, and it's exacerbated by the gross under-recognition loneliness is rapidly emerging as a really humongous public health crisis in our time, especially after COVID, you know, and it, COVID just keeps coming and coming and coming. Um, you know, academic research and an onslaught of news reveal that loneliness is like poor hygiene is to infection. It, it's uh, suicide. It causes addiction, bullying, obesity, gastrointestinal disease, metabolic syndromes, type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, you know, uh, hematological conditions, blood conditions. You know, and a whole more, a lot more other stuff happens with this. You know, while loneliness is not only the cause of the other consequences, it's a really significant one. And it can be, in a word, deadly. Um, just as the loss of millions of lives to infection in the, in the 14th century and then the 19th century uh, required combating really poor hygiene, today a must battle, we must battle loneliness to prevent a public health catastrophe, both economically and personally. You know, while a lot of organizations throughout our country are deeply dedicated to preventing and battling the consequences of loneliness supporting our and supporting our communities. However, if we just look at the stats, a premature death it can be contributed to as loneliness by 26%. Major depressive disorders, suicide, substance abuse cost the U.S. alone in 2020 over $1.4 trillion annually. And it also contributed to over 32% of strokes in human beings. And it has the same impact on the human body as smoking 16 cigarettes a day. It is the same. Uh, one in five Americans report being bullied. One in seven Americans adults are full-blown alcoholics. And one in two Americans report to be chronically lonely. One in two, and that's in America. This could be a whole different uh, uh, amount of statistics around the world, depending on where you live. But in the last 20 years, we have arguably seen the most rapid transformation of our social health in the history of the human being. We must take a collective deep breath and really step back and check what this impact is on our disruptive changes, such as excessive social media use, decreased organizational memberships, uh, fewer and delayed marriage partnerships. Uh, in, and by the way, you know, marriage is the loneliest place on earth when it's not working. And there's a lot of marriages that don't work, and people just sit and sit and sit in it and in, in a, a sense of insignificance because they're doing it for the kids or whatever other reasons. 
But the bottom line is they're lonely, and that means they are vulnerable to really bad choices like alcoholism, like substance abuse addiction, like sex, sexual affairs, like pornography. You know, this is just amazing, you know, uh, uh, things like, uh, uh, you know, reduced time to build meaningful relationships and the, the, the limited outside play and experiences with nature, uh, you know, and a surging senior population, all of these things contribute to, to the amount of loneliness that we have. And these drivers impact the feelings of community and belonging, the sense of individual purpose, the reciprocal intimacy in harmful ways that we receive from each other is just not there as it needs to be. We are all starving. We are all lonely in our hearts. And the degree of pain in which we feel is the tenure of our lives. It dictates how we operate in our life. And loneliness is one of the deepest and hardest pains to overcome because usually the only solutions we can have to loneliness is temporary, temporary moments and hopes for moments ahead of us that can be a great release to our loneliness. You know, it's an amazing thing, but stress and physical uh, and emotional outcomes are all dictated by our degree of loneliness. And so, you know, we need to pause and plan our future to maximize these feelings of community, the sense of purpose, our overall intimacy, and examine what is our passion? What is our purpose? Are we doing that? Or are we just getting by? You know, the vast majority of the people in this world settle for mediocrity. And sadly enough, mediocrity instigates an enormous amount of patterns and habits and coping and a lot less living. Life is about leaps of faith, take chances, go out into the world, make decisions, and explore, experientially explore without the, the fear of failure. Unfortunately, fear and anxiety are of a great commodity in this day and age, which is destroying people's ability to move forward, destroying their ability to make bold changes, destroying their ability to even believe in themselves or trust themselves to be able to make leaps of faith. You know, there's a large uh, amount of contributors to loneliness, like increased aging, working remotely, wearing masks, limited travel, loss of vacation, more frequent job changes because employers are not loyal to anybody. They don't want to pay your benefits. They don't want to pay your retirement. They don't want to do all that crap. They don't want to have that commitment to you. They'd rather hire contractors or people that, that are uh, for the job today and then hire someone else to do the job tomorrow. You know, there's also this political isolation. There's all this tribalism in our society. Then there's the what some would perceive as the stolen election to the dumbest and most ineffective presidential administration in the history of the world. You know, COVID, inflation, and, and tribal angry people everywhere disrespecting each other. You know, divorce is up over 63% right now. And then, and then there's the young adults believing in socialism and, and wanting people to be nicer to each other, you know, but that also has sometimes no healthy boundaries. You know, loneliness has been associated with unhealthy behavior, poorer health, increased morbidity. However, the cost of loneliness is really poorly understood. But in recent years, loneliness has become a growing public health issue. You know, approximately 10% of European citizens 18 and above 
feel left out of society. And the problem is greater for unemployed and low-income people. And while most Western societies perceive loneliness as a problem of old age, it is also a growing problem in our younger groups. Extensive research has related to poor health to loneliness and, and conversely, loneliness to unhealthy behaviors, worse physical, mental, and increased morbidity and mortality. So, you know, we really have to look at the social effects on loneliness. You know, we are people in need of people. We are people in need of being together. We keep ourselves in check. We keep ourselves in balance. These days, we have no checks and balances because we can't even socialize properly. We can't even see our, each other's faces. We have to look at each other through our masks. It's pretty crazy, and it's pretty sad. You know, uh, and, and loneliness might act as a barrier also to, to seeking health care. You know, there's, there's a lot of uh, economic evaluation studies that say, uh, you know, loneliness may provide uh, 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 another, you know, an investment that interventions of loneliness is embarrassing and that we don't want people to know how lonely we are. You know, it's funny because when people are looking for a partner and they're dating and they're in that desperation of wanting to be with somebody, unfortunately, what happens is they're detracted and not attracted to people that are lonely because that reminds them of who they are. And people are so desperate, they will compromise. They will compromise sexually. They'll compromise their values just to have something in their life. And that's sad. But that can be an enormous cost. It can come with diseases, STDs, things like that. I mean, just because we're lonely. You know, people pay a high price to get out of pain. They will do desperate measures. And then they'll be held accountable by other people in our future who would not understand the condition of life that you were in when you were making these emotional decisions. But loneliness causes us to make emotional decisions. And when we make emotional decisions, we don't make logical decisions. And that means the emotional decisions we often regret and second guess and try to change and don't commit to because we made them during an emotional time. You know, <laughs> if, if you look at the awareness of loneliness, you are at a, a beginning to be able to find something different in your life to fill your cup. You know, also, what's really interesting is people marry people that are terrible at their love language. For instance, if time together is important to you and you're with somebody that's always too busy to be with you, well, what would happen if they actually would be with you? Because that's a need. What if, what if you need somebody that validates you, that tells you how great you're doing and cheers you on? Wouldn't that be nice to have a partner like that? But oftentimes, a person that needs that will marry some ogre that only thinks about themselves. And so sadly, a lot of people don't get together with people that have, their, that have as a strength their love language in mind. And if we studied love languages, we would do a better job filling each other's cup and helping each other get through and get back to our will to live and our will and our drive and our passions and our purposes. But if we live without filling that cup, we have a tendency to allow ourselves to wither and our spirit and our will will eventually break. 
you know, the, the coronavirus in 2019, as well as the ensuing social distancing restrictions and the health interventions, all being managed individually by different governors, kings, nobles, whatever you want to call them, of each state, they've been contributed uh, to an epidemic of another sort, which is loneliness. And, and the most at-risk population, which is people over 80 years of old age, face estimated fatality risks from the virus of 9.3% compared to just uh, .2% in the general population. So under ordinary circumstances where individuals have control over the number and quality of their interactions, the cost of perceived social isolation is really high. And as studies have repeatedly documented, social isolation contributes to elevated blood pressure, morning spikes in cortisol levels, disrupted sleep. And so those experiments mimic social isolation contributed to significant declines in, in, in your thought performance and increases uh, our thought impairments, especially for like major depressive disorder, anxiety. You know, socialization is not good for us. And the cost that we are paying in social isolation compared to uh, the cost of us being able to manage our own space and manage our own ability to manage the, the ability or not ability to get the virus would be wonderful because free will often operates better than we operate as people under government jurisdiction. And for the long term, social isolation can impose mortality risks on our society. Most at-risk populations for mortality from cancer, cardiovascular disease, as well as COVID-19. Because stress is in our genes and stress will get you to your exit strategy. There is a genetic component of stress that will ignite the gene that takes us out of this life. And if that gene, the brain, if that gene activates, that stress gene activates, it will crush into, if you're predisposition to heart attacks, if you're predisposition to, to uh, uh, diabetes or cancer or whatever your exit strategy is genetically, that gene will not stop until you die. It will still attack you with the same problem over and over and over again until you die because you've decided to leave this life and that's all based on stress you know and we need to understand you know that the current period of social isolation will also exacerbate the epidemic of loneliness and so we you know if you looked at a, a michigan study from the university of michigan on health aging 34 percent of adults age 50 to 80 years reported feeling lonely and among the increased number of households of adults living alone, which is now 42% of U.S. adults, 60% uh, reported feeling a lack of companionship and feeling isolated. And, and about 28% of people in that study reported feeling lonely, ranked their health as either fair or poor in contrast to 13% who rarely felt socially isolated. Even though social interactions and networks uh, declined with advanced aging, relationships for later in life tend to be of better quality. But we're taking these people in their late years away from the peoples that they have built relationships with their whole life, including their family. 
But does the government care about that? Heck no. Heck no, it doesn't. You know, the, the, there's uh, earlier quarantines give us some indications of uh, the fallout from extended periods of isolations because after being quarantined during the epidemic, uh, then, uh, like SARS was uh, about 20 years ago, uh, individuals were quarantined and had relatives who contracted uh, SARS were two to three times more likely to report high levels of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, than the rest of the population. And so, you know, there's a price to pay for every decision, especially governmental decisions. And when they do it based just on power and politics and not think about the consequences on people's human lives, it's sad. We're all just like a bunch of herd of sheep. You know, and and in critical measures, some of the harms inflicted by long stretches of social isolation and self-isolation can can actually improve our health. Some people will take that and start working on their own health, their diet, their exercise. That's great if people can do that. But does that get rid of your loneliness? No, it doesn't. You know, it's important to understand also people are becoming more and more and more introverted. Even extroverts are becoming introverted. And when people become introverted that have extroverted qualities about themselves, they have a tendency to fall apart and they have a tendency to break their own will. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk more about loneliness. So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for The Power of Young People to Change the World, hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. 
or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about the cost of loneliness. You know, some people naturally prefer time alone, and that, that's fine. You know, about 50% of the population could be categorized as introverts, which is great. And, and, and what that means is they get most value and their most energy from the time that they spend on their own. And to be alone can offer a rich psychological experience, but too much isolation can have a really negative impact on the, both your physical and your mental health. You know, so let's look into what, what the pros and the cons are. If you think about the pros, you know, being alone allows our brains to recharge and our brains need balance. While social interactions are really crucial to certain areas of our brain activity, time alone is, is necessary for our brains to unwind and recharge. And, and, you know, constantly being on doesn't give our brain a chance to rest and replenish. You know, being by yourself with no distractions can give you a chance to clear out your mind, to focus, think more clearly. It's an opportunity to, to maybe revitalize your brain and your body at the same time. And, and also, let's face it, people can be really uh, distracting. When you remove as many distractions and interruptions as you can from your day, you are better able to concentrate, which will help you get more work done in a shorter amount of time. And so small interactions and interruptions from other people can, can really screw up your, your train of thought and make it difficult to get back into a, to, to, to some kind of project where you're trying to do something that has passion and purpose. And even the a ping of a text or a small email notification can throw off our concentration and reduce our productivity. And, and so, <laughs> you know, being alone can be beneficial in that sense. Also, creativity tends to flourish in solitude. And, and there's a lot of studies that show that people are actually more likely to come up with their best ideas on their own rather than during uh, group brainstorming sessions. Human beings in general and and creativity in particular are very sensitive to criticism from other people. We can be shut down on great ideas when people are not allowing us to explore our ideas and experientially learn from each other, which is a thing called Socratic learning, learning from each other. You know, which is one reason why so many of us are able to think more freely and express ourselves more clearly when we are alone because of that criticism. Additionally, the lack of interruption from others allows us to reflect and think differently, leading to more creative uh, cognitions, thoughts, you know. And also, there are several reasons why spending time alone can actually improve our relationships. And if you think about it, differentiation, being a separate, autonomous person, uh, and, and then the linkage of being emotionally and physically close are essential ingredients for a healthy relationship, to have ebbs and flows, to be, to be away and then back together. So we appreciate each other more. You know, maintaining a certain level of independence helps keep the spark alive. The problem is, in COVID, we're all stuck together 24 by 7. And so we don't have balance. We just drive each other crazy and find ourselves in territories of our home, you know, keeping ourselves away from each other so we can have peace of mind. You know, but by spending time with yourself and gaining a better understanding of who you are and what you desire, you're more likely to make better choices about what you want to be around. And let's face it, 
If you're going to surround yourself with a bunch of alcoholics, there's a good chance you'll become one. If you're going to surround yourself with a bunch of drug addicts, you'll probably become one. If you're going to surround yourself with stupid people, you probably will become one because they're your baseline. So, you know, when you're in a room and you're the smartest person in the room, you want to go to the room where people are smarter than you so that you will evolve. Now, here's the problem about being alone. It makes us uh, – our, our thoughts – they aren't always a good thing. Too much time alone uh, creates us too much time in our head, and we are our own worst enemy. Too much time alone is a human being's own worst enemy. It's a breeding ground for negative, self-critical thoughts. You know, we all have this inner critic, but we don't have people to bounce it off of anymore. And so a nasty coach basically lives inside our heads and seeks any opportunity to criticize us. And these critical inner voices tend to multiply when we're left alone with our thoughts. And so we catastrophize and catastrophize because we're control freaks. So we want to plan for the worst possible outcome at all times. And that means we don't really enjoy our life. And we end up feeling lonely because we're living in fear and we're paralyzed by fear. Therefore, we won't take leaps of faith, take chances and learn. Sadly, we go to failure um, narratives where I don't want to be a failure, so I won't make a decision. I won't take a chance. And that's sad. You know, uh, that, that inner critic tells us that something is wrong with us and we don't belong around other people. And in this sense, we are our own worst enemies. You know, it's, it's also, it's important to distinguish between time spent happily alone and time spent feeling lonely. A lot of people don't recognize that, you know. And if you study loneliness, it's a perceived social isolation or the discrepancy between what you want from your social relationships and your perception of the social relationships. So if you see people as looking down on you, well, yeah, you're probably not going to want to be around them. And so sadly, that inner critic in our brain will concoct a story about ourselves that will basically uh, – we will – basically find any reason to validate ourselves because we're control freaks and we just egomaniacs. We have to have things our way. We want things to be the way we see them. And so we will self-validate our own corrupt thoughts and basically surround ourselves in our imagination with people that now have a negative view of us even when they don't. And we will even be so bold to project that negative view on those people as if they have that perspective of us. You know, it also leads to depression. You know, the studies show that a lonely brain is structurally and biochemically different. When someone is lonely, their neuro neural responses to positive images and events get very, very dead. And the world is perceived through a negative filter. And so we're more likely to believe that things are hopeless when we're lonely. And this makes it more difficult to summon the energy and the bravery to find uh, uh, health and happiness and change. And, and so what happens is our brain will manufacture a much lower amount of dopamine and serotonin. And by doing that, we're living in our amygdala and doing what we feel and then justifying what we feel rather than doing what we think and finding an emotion to motivate us to action. Action is what heals depression. Logical action. You know, too much time alone is bad for our physical health also. 
It can increase our, our mortality by about 26%. And being socially connected is not only influential on our, so, our psychological and emotional well-being, but it's also a significant and positive influence on our physical well-being and overall longevity. It's important to maintain strong social connections, even if you prefer to spend the majority of your time alone. And so it's important for us to understand that if you're going to weigh whether I should go work out on how you feel, you're going to do what you feel. And that means you'll never be consistent, ever, because it's all dependent on how you feel in the moment. People that have too much time on their hands feel, 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 don't think, 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 and they do stupid things. They make very emotional decisions, and then regret, regret, regret. You know, um, human beings, as we are, we need time alone to allow our brains to rest and rejuvenate. But if we give it too much time and then no social interactions, our our mental and physical health is at jeopardy. And, And so it's important to distinguish between healthy time alone and where we are being productive and creative and introspective versus negative time alone where we're being self-critical or feeling lonely. If you find yourself constantly around others feeling depleted, make sure you have some healthy time alone. But if you find yourself alone and are feeling lonely, make sure you invest in more time seeking meaningful connections. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, it's important to find the right balance for you. And so, yeah, you know, sometimes you're going to get a phone call every day from your mother 3,000 miles away or your father 3,000 miles away or your sister or your brother or your best friend. And the reason they're reaching out to you is because they have not properly socialized and you are the only person that they've allowed themselves to uh, basically connect to. And so that means that they're lonely and you're the only thing to solve it. That has to be solved by that person, but you might wanna make that other that person aware of their impact on you because you may not have the same problem of feeling lonely and only having one person to reach out to. You know, trust is a really hard thing for people, but you know, in this life, we don't need to trust. We can just have leaps of faith. I will have faith in you before I have trust in you. And walk on that bridge as you develop a relationship. Don't force it into trust with the commitment of trust. That is the dumbest thing you could possibly do. Allow it to slow burn through faith in each other. And when you see that you're consistently safe, then move to trust. That's how we get there. But a lot of people have trust issues. And the bottom line is trust is really hard to get. Life is more about faith than trust. You know, it's not hard to understand the fear of being alone. That, you know, the empty apartment after work, the eeriness of Sunday afternoons alone, the sense of exclusion during the holidays. We all have the agonies of being on our own and we all know it very well. You know, what's really important to understand is when we had no smartphones, people did not know how to fill their time. And they were desperately faced with the existential problem of being lonely. And then they had to go seek a way not to be lonely. And so now that we have technology, technology fills the gap for us. And we do not understand consciously how alone we truly are in this life. Because we have this continuous companion at our finger's edge ready to respond to us at any given moment. And what's really not understood 
it, and, and it's less eloquent, eloquent and infrequently described is the enormously high price exacted on the other side of the equation, the fear or the more often uh, simple phobia of being alone is perhaps responsible for more unhappy relationships, more throttling psychological problems, more uh, claustrophobia, more pent-up misery than almost any other. And that causes pain, enormous pain, you know, and and and, and with that, the, the great contributors of our misery, and it's the driver of some of our weightiest and most unfortunate life decisions that we've all made that have come back on us like a tornado or, you know, a typhoon. You know, if we only were able to get the cost of what it is for most part of a simple misapprehension that is clear in our minds, we could save ourselves a whole lot of things by taking time not to make enormous decisions while we're emotional. You know, people who are afraid of being alone make some of the most wrong choices, you know, around the people that they keep. The people that they keep as their friends. You know, they have no option but to privilege any one over the appropriate one. They have no stomach to be rightfully demanding in their criteria because their loneliness is so desperate that they will align themselves with other with people that don't necessarily have the same values or the same uh, uh, idea of what's right and wrong. And they will actually eventually, as they expose themselves to that, embrace it. And that can be very destructive to people's lives. You know, the only souls with the realistic chance of ending up with the partner they deserve are those who have properly reconciled themselves to the prospect of never being with anyone at all. You know, what's what's also amazing is when people enter into drugs like opiates that just dead your mind, what's really sad is you start to understand why people spend billions and trillions of dollars on these things and you understand why wars have been fought for drugs, for that feeling of filling the emptiness with nothingness. And that's what drugs do. You know, if you're going to be into hallucinogens, they allow your mind to go elsewhere. But then there's a cost. A lot of people that have done hallucinogens lose their minds. And they lose who they really were. And they, they lose touch with the people they love. And they lose out on living. They just live in their heads. You know, being with not quite the right person almost sounds bearable. But extended over time, like like a, a, a pebble in a shoe, slightly wrong ends up indistinguishable from entirely horrific. No nagging doubt one has ever entertained on a wedding day in addition to several years to become a cause of mind-shattering despair because they married the wrong person and they knew it. But they, out of uh, fear of how people would respond to them not marrying or out of their fear of being alone, they will go ahead and entertain the idea of being married. You know, <laughs> every beautiful location we travel to together with the person, the wrong person in our life is ruined. And every promising moment is trampled on. Every success will be compromised because that memory can't carry itself forward because the relationship will likely end or the two people do not respect each other enough to make a marriage work. And so sadly, a lot of people trudge through life with the wrong people in their life and their soul dies and their ability to feel alive dies. You know, we feel 
disgusted and and we feel miserable and we feel uh, we feel loss of our sexuality our broken finances a kind you know this excruciating excruciating loneliness merely drives us to make stupid choices to cope with life to fill in the gaps because of our miserable emotional decisions and that's caused by loneliness originally and loneliness in the end you know, when terrified of loneliness, we have no strength to argue for our needs within any relationship. Well, what's wrong with using the word I prefer? You know, I prefer you talk to me like this. I prefer that we had a sex life. I prefer that you were kinder. I prefer you didn't have an attitude about it. I prefer you were not defensive. With a preference, you will never offend. You can state your needs. Think about it. That is a way a person that is lonely can actually access other people in their life who want to be a part of their life by stating their preferences. That's how we begin to derive relationships, not by forcing people, but by allowing them to know who we are and what we would want. I prefer I'd be able to trust you. I prefer that you did think of me before you think, thought of doing the bad things. You know, you know, time, in the wrong sort of company, we tend to develop helplessness. Every reluctance we once had to be alone grows worse as we stay with someone. Even as we acquire more experience uh, with bad company actually means it, it, it's, it's in our comfortable but deadening captivity of being with that person, you know, we feel more paralyzed. We feel like our life is in limbo. And the thing is, is, is that you? Is that you? Feeling like that person, you're the victim of that other person, or is it you being the miserable person that they have to respond to? And that's really what you've got to wrestle with. You know, we may not even actually be miserable after a while as we grow used to being miserable. And so the thing is, we have to be conscious of what our loneliness does to us, what it causes, and how it affects us. All right, let's come back. We're going to break down loneliness to try to be constructive about what we can do about it. So come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about the cost of loneliness, and I've broken out a lot of what the cost is, but there's ways to solve it. And that's really what we need to get to. We need to be productive with this topic, you know, because social connectedness and the lack of it can be very painful. You know, loneliness can be described in a whole lot of different ways. It's commonly used, you know, there's this, there's actually a, a UCLA loneliness scale that asks people about a range of feelings or deficits of connection, including how often they feel a lack of companionship, feeling left out, in tune with people around them, feeling outgoing and friendly, feeling there, there are people they can turn to. And so given the consequences, especially health consequences of those who feel like they have very few or no supported social connections, there's this widespread loneliness and it poses a major societal challenge. But, but it underscores a demand for increased outreach and connection on a personal level, too. You know, um, a lot of people wonder, you know, I've got friends, I've got family. Why am I so lonely? But it is tied to the quality of your relationships as it is to the number of connections a person has. And it doesn't only stem from heartache or, or, or isolation. It's a lack of authenticity in relationships that drives loneliness. And that results in feelings of loneliness. And that's why marriage can be so lonely because eventually people get so defensive that they have nothing to talk about and no deep connection whatsoever because there's no authenticity. And not having a coveted, like, animal companion, that can really screw you up, especially a dog. Dogs are oftentimes one of the best friends you can ever have. You know, if you uh, uh, think of how uh, your social contacts in the wider world are and if they're empty and if your family is empty and if your marriage is empty and your relationship to your children is empty and your relationship with your siblings is empty – you know, you're going to be empty if you're not going to contribute and step into your life and create relationships and commit to them and spend time with them and nurture them, then you are going to live in a deep, painful pocket of loneliness for however long you sentence yourself to that. But why is it so hard to seek out companionship when you feel lonely? There's a lot of evidence that lonely people have a sort of negativity bias in evaluation interactions. Lonely people uh, pick up on signs of potential rejection 
And so they will reject before they're rejected. That's called ghosting. They just go away. That's what people like to do because they have no spine. And perhaps they're better to avoid it and protect themselves. So they don't want that rejection. Or they look at qualities that they think are imperfect in people. The problem is we're all imperfect. We're human. We have emotions and we have logic. And some people have more emotions, some people have more logic, and we have to find that balance. That's why, instead of trust, we need to think in terms of, I'm going to have faith in you until I do trust you. So I'm going to act like I trust you until I do trust you, but I'm not going to commit to trust until I get to trust. You know, loneliness is that you can start an exercise regimen to gain strength and improve your health just in the same way by trying to heal your loneliness. You make small moves that build on emotional strength and resilience. You know, maybe you join a, 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 a book club or maybe you join a, a, a coffee club of people. Maybe you join a people that meet once a week and just do that. You know, a lot of people in churches will do what are called small groups. But, but it's really useful to allow yourself to get out of the box and get out of your comfort zone and socialize to whatever degree you can. You know, the, 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 a number of unfavorable outcomes between people with too high of expectations of other people results in the sense of loneliness and isolation. And then we have depression that follows, and then we have anxiety, which is fear that follows. What is depression? Unmet expectations. Expectations have emotional negative failure to it. That means there's a failure narrative. And every time we have failure narratives, we don't want failure because we think we're supposed to be perfect. No, we're supposed to learn experientially from each other. That is what it is to have a relationship. Experiential learning, life learning, not perfection, not having to not be able to accept other things about people. You know, everybody's got their problems. If we can try to relate and be grateful for the good in people and understand that people are often more right than they are wrong, even whatever political position or life position they take, we can appreciate that. And we don't have to be defensive. And we can accept other people's perception because our, our real drive is to learn from each other and to give to each other. You don't have to live in, in all of your, your own perception and surround yourself with your own perception. That's kind of stupid. You know, loneliness is a risk factor also for heart disease, for type 2 diabetes, arthritis, among other things. And so lonely people are twice as likely to develop Alzheimer's disease. You know, and that's been a research study that has found that. And the state of chronic loneliness may trigger the adverse psychological responses like stress hormones, hinder your sleep, you know, weaken your immunities. So social contact is the driver. Casual interactions from our local community help us feel like we belong and strengthen our resilience and helps us find employment opportunities. And it places a connection, such as childcare centers or barbershops or cafes. They, that can increase your social interactions and overall well-being. Therapy can actually create a sense of deep connection and an overall sense of healthiness. You know, if we create opportunities for interaction like focal points and shared paths, we can foster connection in, in either your office, in your neighborhood, in your apartment building, wherever we can form these things and develop a lot of great relationships that add to our lives. 
You know, each of our childhood is buried is buried in our work in different ways. You know, maybe it's love of problem solving through storytelling, whatever. You know, the, all these things we take into life, and we want to embellish that in our life. You know, where we find our best memories are when we play with each other, when we play. When we have fun, when we laugh, those are the great memories. When we spend time together and enjoy each other without an agenda, you know, a lot of people uh, find that their life becomes better because they network and they socialize with other people and they create a meaningful relationship with others. You know, uh, bonding ties come from communities in which people have a lot in common they're associated with an elevated sense of trust, a sense of belonging, a sense of community, and having people you can bond and connect to in that way, that kind of social capital is valuable for our well-being. But if you're going to choose to live in a community where there's no community, you are going to have a very difficult time not being lonely. You know, bridging ties typically refer to connections with people different than you. And you can bridge those networks and communities. And that means that, once again, people are more right than they are wrong. Let's focus on where they're more right rather than where we believe they're all wrong. You know, both types of social ties are critical to our thriving. And both are made through frequent, often casual interactions with each other. We all are missing grateful. And if you are a grateful person, you're going to be able to have connections with others. If you're not a grateful person and you're not willing to recognize people's talents, their abilities, their standing, and empathize with them, then you're going to have trouble connecting with others. You know, the monumental impact on community organizations and institutions is not only our ability to create social ties – but it's also the trickle-down effects of the social ties. You know, let's look at churches. Churches often do not thrive that don't create social connectedness. And there's a lot of research that shows that we often confide personal things to people whom we don't have an intimate relationship. You know, uh, we might talk to a flight attendant, a barista, a hairdresser. These people and chance encounters often serve to form our sense of self and build our sense of belonging where the stakes are lower and the connections are more casual. And at times we're able to show up as, as, as more fully ourselves to these people that we're not necessarily surrounding ourselves all the time. You know, enrolling your kids in childcare usually has a positive impact on the expansion of at least the mother's network and her overall well-being, even after controlling uh, for factors like income and ethnicity, you know, when people start to live comparatively, they tend to get very depressed because others may have more than we do. You know, that's the way it goes. But what if we take all those factors out and just look at the person we're talking to? You know, designers that, that build communities and, and, and create multiple strategies to foster social connectedness can really help bring people together on a regular basis. And on, you know, on life, life, when we're online, it does not replace what has to be had in the sense of physical space. It does not take, uh, it does not replace what we can get when we're one-to-one with each other. You know, the ease and convenience of the digital age has, has, uh, has negatively impacted our happiness and well-being. And with that, with this problem 
of uh, a connection to social media, people display their ego, but they don't display who they are. So all they see, all we see is the best of them and not oftentimes the worst of them. And, and you can make the decision today to question what and how you consume from, you know, whatever digital area you uh, connect yourself to. You know, you, you can have a heart to heart with yourself about what you truly enjoy and whether uh, the easily accessed digital options are sufficient. You know, do what you love in real time. Find out what you're passionate about. Find out what your purpose is. Stop living in your libido. You know, if you're living in uh, pornography and going there every minute you can go there, you're probably going to self-destruct because eventually somebody's going to realize it's either changed you, something's changing you, or they see what you're seeing. And, oh, my God, there's this shadow life behind this human being that I'm living with or working with or whatever. You know, working has also become more convenient. You can work from virtually anywhere nowadays, uh, with depending on your boss and depending on corporate policies. But, you know, that allows most of us to hide and not be accountable. And so you can join a, a phone conference while waiting in a doctor's office. You know, you can uh, be on the beach in the Caribbean and act like you're in a meeting, but maybe you're not. You know, a sense of friendship and community is likely to diminish when your physical lack of physical connection. Also, your accountability diminishes in your lack of of uh, social connectedness. You know, pr- our productivity suffers, and and that's that can be because we have no accountability. And so, one of the most stubborn, persistent aspects of the mind is that when you do two things at once, you don't do either one as well as when you do one at a time. And it's for this reason that multitasking has been found to be a poor use of time. In fact, uh, research has uncovered that attempting to do two tasks at, at once takes longer than performing them one at a time, and it burns more cognitive energy, and it wears down the brain more, and it causes more stress. And it produces more mistakes. So take one thing at a time, give it your full attention, and maybe things will get done better. And that includes your relationships with other people. You know, your meaning of your life is best lived when you're in this moment. No other moment. Not in the future. Not in the past. Just here. Right here. You owe the people in your life your full attention right now. And if you can be present, fully present, you will discover the meaning of life. All right, that's our show. You know, thank you for listening. I love hearing from you, and you can do that on our webpage at voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, our secrets are what make us the loneliness. And if we're alone, we become more alone. You know, be good, and you will be lonesome. If you're bad, then you'll be free. That's from Jimmy Buffett, by the way. And it's hard to make people care again once you've taught them not to. And it's hard to tell people that you need them once you've told them that you don't. And that's Charlotte Erickson. And then wouldn't it be great to have a mute button for other people? Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 